All right, just an interesting little creative way to remind ourselves of what we've been talking about this summer. How many people would want to take a bite of that concoction right there? A few of you, I don't know. I think there's too much in there. Too many layers of weird fruits that maybe don't necessarily go together if you are listening on the podcast. Uh, You should have been here because we just had a video, a very creative video of lots of different fruit. And that's what we've been talking about for the summer. Well, uh, again, my name's Jerry. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, this summer we've been tackling this idea of the fruit of the Spirit from the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul inspired by God to a group of people. And basically he was saying, this is how you show the world who I am. God desires that we reflect him and his character to the world and these various fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control are all ours to show the world in abundance. But the amazing thing is it does not happen naturally, right? That's why if we were all of these things to the world, we would not need the God of the universe living inside of us and strengthening us because it would come naturally. The truth is it doesn't come naturally. We don't naturally love people that are unlovely, right? We avoid them. We don't naturally just wake up and have joy and, hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Naturally, we're kind of like, oh, you know, like tend to look on the bad side of things and the drudgery and whatever. We can go down through this whole entire list and realize that unless the Lord does this work in our heart, we're not going to be able to show um, who he is to the world. And I love that passage in Galatians chapter 5 where it lists out that fruit of the Spirit. It says all the way at the end, against all of these things, there is no law. All right, so in other words, you can do this in abundance. There is no limit. Uh, Anybody break the law this week? Raise your hand up really high. I won't ask any questions. This is a judgment-free zone here. For me, I probably did, maybe a few miles over the speed limit on a rare occasion. You know, that's technically breaking the law. And maybe that's most of your story here too as well. If it was deeper than that, you're, you're still welcome here. This is a place of grace and love and acceptance. But the point is, we got lots of laws that limit things in this land, right? But God is saying there is no law against these things. No matter who you are, no matter what society, on the face of the earth, whatever workplace, whatever situation, you can show all of these things in abundance and that will be reflecting the character of God. And that's something to be excited about because we can't do it on our own. We recognize that. That's why we need the strength of the Holy Spirit. So we're so glad that you guys are here and joined with us today. Thanks for coming out in the middle of the summer and uh, for being a part of this, for connecting with people, looking at each other in the eye, not just watching something on the internet or listening to something. Thanks for coming out here. We appreciate it. Thanks for um, being a physical presence here. Thanks for corporately joining in worship and just gathering as a family uh, that we can dive into God's word together and worship together and be together. It's such an honor and it's such a privilege. I tell my kids all the time, Sunday is the greatest day of the week. And I don't typically get much response, but, but it is. 
We get to gather here together, man. Every single story in here is different. Everybody's walked in with a different set of baggage and a different set of, of, of trials and issues. And we get to come here together and, and lay them at the foot of the cross and open our hearts and open our stories to say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? God's got a word for somebody today. He's got a message for somebody today. And here we are this morning, we're talking about this idea of gentleness. Now, I don't know what comes into your mind when you hear the word gentleness, but I think as you look out over these characteristics, at least for me, and I don't think I'm necessarily alone in this, that one gentleness isn't one that like jumps out out of nowhere. Like, yes, I want to be characterized as a gentle person. Right? Any guys here really want to be characterized as gentle? Chirp, chirp, chirp. Not really, because we really think about this. I mean, if we were to take somebody here, like Dan over here, he's a, he's a studly man, or Aaron over here, he's a marathon triathlon runner. Like, we got lots of these good athletic, um, who else? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But we got all kinds of athletic, amazing guys in here. And what would it be like if somebody said, yeah, I've never met Aaron before. I've never met Dan before. What's he like? If the first thing out of the gate that come out of your mind was, you know what? He's a very gentle person. So what would that look like? Wears cardigan sweaters. He loves fireplaces. He reads poetry. Right? I mean, what does that look like in our society? He's a horse whisperer. You know, he, he adopts stray kittens and, you know, feeds them milk out of a little tiny bottle. You know, he's like, he loves origami. I mean, like what, a, you know, that's not one that just jumps right out. Why? Because I think for many people, myself included, when you think about that fruit, that characteristic in particular, it seems very effeminate. Okay, no offense, ladies whatsoever. The Lord made you and we are so glad that he did because women tend to side uh, on the realm of being nurturing and being caring and being loving and all that reflects the heart of God as well. But for many, a definition of gentleness is not necessarily a masculine one, right? Here's one definition that I found of gentleness. It says this, mild, moderate, Soft and delicate, submissive, to voluntarily assume equality with an inferior. That's what gentleness, that's one of the definitions. Any, anybody want to sign up for that? Want to be soft and delicate and submissive? There's something deep down inside us that's like, no, man, I want to be driven. I want to be a leader. I want to be, you know, at times just full of passion. I don't want to be soft and just always kind of, you know, uh, you know, just kind of taking, taking the second, uh, you know, position or taking the last position or whatever. But I think the, uh, the, the rub for us comes when we think about the opposite of gentleness, which is probably where a lot of people land. And that's, you get angry easily. You have fits of rage. It's funny because in Galatians chapter 5, if you get a time later on today to read, there's kind of like a precursor to what we talked about, the fruit of the Spirit. And it's kind of the fruit of the flesh when we're by ourselves without God, when we're stepping away and kind of doing our own thing that comes naturally. You know one of the ones that's in there is fits of rage. 
anger, rebellion, losing control of yourself. That's in there is one of the fruits of the flesh. But it's, it's amazing because in scripture, you know, you see many, many, many times um, when anger is mentioned, 15 to be in fact, and the same verse or the same um, section that anger is mentioned in the Bible, there's also the idea of fire and rage. And we've experienced that, right? Maybe sometime this week, maybe even this morning. Something happened that made you angry and it just kind of like bubbled up inside of you. You could feel the temperature rising. You know what I mean? Or is it just me? We know what we're talking about, right? Maybe you've had the experience where you've lost control. You've entered into a fit of rage. I've got a lot of weaknesses. I'm a pretty patient person, I would say. I can kind of deal with a lot. I don't like easily fly off the handle and break things and whatever. But I do remember one time, and I think I've shared this story a couple years ago, but it's a great illustration of this to me. I was waking up early for a final Greek exam when I was in seminary, and I had my, back in those days, we had these things called alarm clocks, you see? And so you actually had to plug it in and you had to like set it and put the little buttons where they should be. And it was set for my 6.30 a.m. exam. And I was going to wake up early and whatever. And I checked the a.m. p.m. thing. That worked. The volume was up. Everything was ready. And of course it didn't go off. My eyes pop open and it's like 7.45. You know, I'd already halfway missed the exam. And so I jump out of my bed. And in a fit of rage, I was so mad. I looked at that thing. The alarm was set. Everything was fine. What the heck? I unplug it and I start whipping this thing around. So I'm getting the inertia going. Kind of like that guy in the Olympics, you know, with the big steel ball that they stick here. And they're like, Aah! So I whip this thing around and let out this yell. And I whip this thing right against the cinder block um, wall in my dormitory. And it smashed into a million pieces. And I got dressed real quick. And I ran off to my exam and had to apologize and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I came back. And I kind of forgot about that. But I walked back into my dorm. And, and I see this stuff scattered all over and several of my guys in my suite were like dude what happened I'm like I got really mad this morning I just couldn't control it anymore and man did that feel good <laughs> there is something about that it's not right but if nobody's hurt you know there is something about that release when you feel that anger and it doesn't feel good to be gentle sometimes it feels good to be rough like that right at least when no one's heard. I don't know if you heard about these, but this is actually, there's some, several that have opened in North Carolina. It's called a rage room, where you actually go to this place where they outfit it with all this stuff, and you get a big you know, baseball bat, or you get a big sledgehammer, and you put on this thing so you're safe, and it's all whatever, and you just go in here, and you just start to go nutty on things, and you pay money, and you could be as violent as you want. All right, we got another, that one's, he's, he's uh, smashing a vase of roses. I don't know what happened in that guy's world, but we can only guess what happened there. That was February 15th when this particular, <laughs> but seriously, how many people, something happened this week, something entered into your story, maybe even this morning where you're like, yep, I'd pay 15 bucks to go in a rage room right now because I'm so angry at something that happened and I feel like I need a release of some sort. It's a very common human emotion, and it's something that creeps in a lot. And what we're going to see this morning is that the Lord does not want us to lose track of that. The Lord wants us to be gentle, and we're going to find out a definition according to God of what that looks like. 
But let's be honest, church. We can be a very angry people. And I don't know what it is if it's just, in general, uh, the onslaught of 24-hour news stations and, uh, you know, stuff that shows up in our feed with all the tragedies going on around the world and it just makes us angry because we can't do anything about it. And there's this stirring and this restlessness in our heart. And we just can't do anything to fix it, so there's this angst. That's definitely part of it. Maybe for some, it's just the constant comparison game where social media just shows us these images all the time and we just get in this, in this mindset that, man, everybody else has it together. They're, they love their family. They're great parents. They're attractive. They're taking great vacations and we're seeing everybody else's highlight reel compared to our B-roll of reality and our Pinterest fails. And it just makes you angry. And I don't know if you've caught yourself with your kids or with a coworker or even with your spouse where all of a sudden just something happened. It wasn't even that big of a deal, but you just lash out at something and you're like, where did that come from? Why am I so angry? Well, Time Magazine ran an article uh, about a year ago, and the title of the article is Why Americans Are So Angry About Everything. And there are several things that it talked about in there, a survey of 3,000 adults, but I thought that this was pretty interesting. 68%, all right, so 7 out of 10. So in this group of people right now, probably this amount right here, 7 out of 10 said they get visibly angry at least once a day. And then how about this one? Just about 50% of them, of these adults, said they had some form of road rage in the past year that potentially could have gotten them in an accident. And we talked that earlier, question about who broke the law this week. Maybe that was tied in somehow. But people are angry, and they don't know how to deal with it. This was interesting as well. One more quick point. Um, Women tend to be angrier than men. thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> but the reason why is kind of interesting. The reason why is that mostly uh, women tend to be a lot more empathetic than men, leading to a deeper response and a deeper care when they see people mistreated or something unfair. So that's why they're angrier, because they care more and they're more nurturing. So it really is good news. But today we're diving into the scriptures to see what true gentleness actually looks like and why true strength uh, can be displayed through this characteristic. So if you're following along in your scripture, I'd encourage you to turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, You can just turn there in your copy of scripture or in your device. We have a few other scriptures that we'll show on the screen, but for our purposes, you can park there. We got several things that we want to talk about in Isaiah 40. If you're taking notes here this morning, there's just two basic points that we want you to remember as you walk out of here. And um, the first one is kind of a a revamped proper definition of what gentleness is. If you want to take this down, it says this. True gentleness is fierce power under control. True gentleness is fierce power that is under control. First thing that pops into our mind is weakness, meekness, inferior. 
That's not what it's talking about. When we talk about gentleness as it pertains to the character of God and what we want to show to other people, it's a totally different definition. Fierce power under control. Many of you in here who have uh, young children, I certainly played this game. Probably it's universal among humanity. You got your three-year-old or four-year-old or five-year-old, and you're just playing this little game where you're holding their hand, and, and they try and squeeze your hand as hard as they possibly can, right? And you're just sitting there, and you're like, no, 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 no. That's not gentleness. You know what that is? That's weakness. It's not to be mean. That's just a reality. They don't have the strength to cause that kind of pain. And then when you turn it back on them, you know, in a limited sense, of course, but like you're squeezing their hand harder and harder and harder and they start to wince and move around like, yeah, you know that you've hit a nerve, but the fact that you can just hold their hand and not do that and keep yourself under control, that's the definition of gentleness. Because there is a power there, but it's under control. Now, when we look at Isaiah 40, This morning, guys, we see the character of God and we see that gentleness is something that we need to aspire to. This is one of the characteristics of the God of the universe that he's allowed us to reflect and represent. And man, if you ever want to be resized in your perspective, just read through Isaiah chapter 40. This is the prophet God's giving him these words to speak to his people that he loves. But we as humans can kind of tend to feel like we're the center of everything, right? That we're like the center of the world. And if you ever want to get resized to understand who you really are in comparison to how strong God is, Isaiah 40 is the text for you. Let's uh, just go ahead and jump down. To, um, to verse 12 of Isaiah 40. Who is this God? Who is this one that we serve? Here's what Isaiah says. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who has marked off the heavens with a span and enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure? Who's weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Talk about how big God is and how incredibly small we are. Let's keep reading in verse 13. So who's measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Who did he consult? Who who has made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? It almost reminds you a little bit of in the book of Job, right? Some of you that maybe have been in church for a long time and remember that story where Job's accusing God and asking God and it's this whole diatribe about how God doesn't need a counselor and how God is amazing and large and unfathomable. Look at this in verse 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. You know that phrase that we've all used is where it comes from. Strongest nation in the world, United States of America, drop in a bucket. The next 10 nations in strength of their army and gross national product and money and power and kings and rulers and dominions, drop in a bucket in comparison to the power of God. 
they are accounted as the dust on the scales. Verse 15 says, Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. And it goes on and on and on about the power of God. Skip down to verse 22. This is great. It is he that is God who sits above the circle of the earth. By the way, side note, flat earth conspiracy. It was settled thousands of years ago where it talked about the circle of the earth. Just want to throw that in there for free. Look at this. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. You know, you ever been in the top of the... uh, you know, Empire State Building in New York City or the Sears Tower or some other situation like that where you're so far above and you look down on the tiny little, they look like ants down there. Well, Isaiah is saying when, when the Lord looks down on the earth, he is so powerful, so far above, so distant, so removed that we're nothing more than grasshoppers. It's not very flattering, is it? Hmm. Skip down to verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high. In other words, look straight up. Look into the sky and see who created all these. The planets, the stars. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might. And because he is so strong in power, not one of them is missing. Do you remember back in high school or remember maybe college or maybe some of you were just kind of students of astronomy and you understand the vastness of our solar system and our galaxies and how we haven't even scratched the surface of ones that are yet to be discovered. It's mind-boggling. And yet this scripture says the Lord is so powerful, he not only made all of these, but he calls them all by name. That's how strong our God is. He's got fierce power. But it's harnessed and it's controlled. Verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 40 gives you the most beautiful illustration of that. It says this, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. All throughout scripture you see the right arm is like a symbol of strength and accomplishment and protection, right? Behold, his reward is with him. That is all the angels, all the power, all the universe. His recompense is before him. But notice verse 11. Even though all this is true, And even though we're nothing but grasshoppers in comparison to the whole atmosphere and galaxy. In verse 11 it says, but he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. And he will carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead those that are with young. The incredible thing that we want to recognize this morning, guys, is that it is not the absence of strength that constitutes um, gentleness. It's not weakness. It is not the absence of strength, but instead it's the application of that strength to a tender situation. 
And do you see this beautiful picture in Isaiah 40, also mirrored in the New Testament, how many times with Jesus who says, I am the good shepherd? Do you see this idea that a shepherd's got to be strong, a shepherd's got to be fierce, a shepherd's got to be unafraid because of wild animals and protecting his flock and, you know, all of this, all, all of this responsibility. You can't be afraid. You've got to be strong. But at the same time, notice the imagery, it says. He picks up these young lambs and holds them in his bosom, on his chest, close to his heart. And he leads them along gently. Guys, when we talk about the strength and the beauty of God and how far off he is and how powerful he is, do not lose the invitation that he brings to us. That says, even though he is so great and so incredible and so powerful, when we walk away, when we get injured, when we get trapped, when we fall in that crevice again, when we don't listen to the shepherd, when we walk away and choose our own path, don't forget that that strength is so rightly directed that he will be there to rescue and to heal. I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had over the years as a pastor where people feel like, you know what, I don't know if I can really go to church. I don't know if I can come. I don't know if I can worship. I don't know if I can sit under the teaching of the Bible because I've just, I've failed so many times. And there's so much guilt and there's so much shame. And I don't feel worthy to be in the presence of the Lord. And that is absolutely true. But the incredible news about the gentleness of God is that he invites us in. And he doesn't tire of searching for us and rescuing us and carrying us back and healing us. Look at these other scriptures, what they say. Psalm 18, 35. Listen to this. David says, you have given me a shield of your salvation and your right hand has supported me. That same idea again, right? But he says, your gentleness has made me great. And it carries along that idea that like there's, there's arrows that are flying all the time. There are accusations according to the book of Revelation, right? The enemy day and night is, is hurling accusations against every one of us. And this picture of God is one of strength and one of a shield that we can hide under, that we can be protected from. But notice he says, your gentleness, that is what has made me great. And it's such an interesting idiom, poetic idiom in the Hebrew language that basically carries along the idea of the Lord has stooped down to lift us up. He is powerful, but he has stooped down, come down to our level to lift us up. Psalm 3.3 carries along that, that same idea. But you, O oh Lord, you are a shield about me. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Guys, we serve a God this morning that's incredibly powerful and incredibly holy, but incredibly inviting. And if we think for one second that you've got to reach a certain standard before you can come into these doors and before you can sit here, you've got to have your act together, you've got to have no sin in your life and completely clean and clear uh, before the Lord and be perfect to walk into here, you're crazy. 
The church is meant to be a hospital for the broken people, amen? So when the broken people are saying, oh, I can't go to the hospital because I'm not perfectly healthy, it's a change in our perspective. That's what gentleness is. Continue on with the second one. That's the horizontal version, right? Between, sorry, that's the vertical. Between us and God, we see this characteristic that he displays so beautifully all throughout that psalm. That's our relationship to him vertically. And now it trickles down to us and we go to the horizontal level with each other. Okay? Anybody struggle with gentleness with your spouse? With your kids? With your boss? With the people that work for you? Find yourself being short? Man, this one right here, Proverbs 15.1. This is worth everything. Proverbs 15.1. I can't tell you how many times this verse was pounded into me as I was growing up by my parents. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Point number two, gentleness recognizes your response has the power to direct their response. Do you get that? The way you respond to something, you've got the power, you've got the ability, you've got the angle to change the perspective and the direction of how that conversation's going to go. You think about situations even earlier on this morning, battling your spouse, battling your kids, get out of bed, get to church on time, you know, like whatever it was, we get this challenge right here. You know what? We can respond one of two ways. You know what the world says? Fits of rage, Galatians chapter five. Also talks about selfish ambition, Galatians chapter five. Before the fruit of the spirit, here are the fruit of the flesh. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, divisions, all these other things. Because what the world says is, you know what? You need to show some one-upmanship. You need to really have a zinger at the end of your argument that's gonna make that person look so foolish and so stupid, you've gotta win at all costs. You've gotta show your power. That's not the way of Jesus, and that's not the way of God. Even if you do win the argument, what have you really lost? I wonder how many, if we really sat down and shared some of your story about words that came out of your mouth when you responded harshly, words that you said that you wish for for everything that you had that you could reel those back in. Our response can help drive, determine, and direct the response of somebody else. Now, this next concept is so monumental. I want to talk to you about the idea that that we're not alone in these conversations. I want you to feel aware that there is way more going on in these situations than what meets the eye. Some of you maybe that are a little bit newer to church... um, We start in Genesis, the story of God. Not story as in fairy tale. We believe that this is truly what happened, that God created the heavens and the earth. God created Adam and Eve. He gave them free will. He gave them a choice. He had something he wanted them to do, a standard of holiness, but he didn't make them obey, and they chose their own way. And thus sin entered into the world. And the very next scene in Genesis chapter four, we get the account of their kids, Cain and Abel. 
one of the things that breaks my heart, parents' heart, I know it broke my, my parents' heart the most, is when their kids would fight, right? Say mean things, do mean things to each other. And here we got a situation in, in Genesis chapter 4 where, where um, Cain and Abel both were required to bring an offering. And um, Cain brought his own thing. Abel did what the Lord said. And the Lord was pleased with Abel's offering. And he wasn't pleased with Cain's offering. And Cain, in a fit of rage, in a jealous ambition, responded harshly. He didn't take the advice of directing things and instead he killed his brother because he was jealous and he was envious and he had a fit of rage. But I want you to notice something about this account in Genesis chapter 4. This is so incredible for us. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face uh, fallen? If you do well, that is, if you had obeyed, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, look at this phrase. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And we get the perspective, guys, in our relationships, in our conversations, in our interactions with each other, that we're not alone. And that the enemy is right there, crouching at the door, waiting to pounce. This is thousands of years ago this was written. Right in the New Testament, many of us are more familiar with 1 Peter chapter 5 that talks about your, your enemy, um, you know, the devil roars around and roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's in 1 Peter chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 4. It talks about be angry and yet don't sin. Don't give the devil a foothold or an opportunity. So we've heard some of those before, but the devil's crouching at the door. Depending on your response, depending on what you do, he desires deeply to break apart relationships and to welcome in contempt and jealousy and rage and brokenness because we don't have self-control to be gentle. I want us to be aware of that this morning. But the good news, guys, is that we're also not alone even in that. In Philippians chapter 4, it talks about a conflict amongst believers, right? But here's what, here's what uh, Paul says to this church in uh, Philippians. He says, let your reasonableness or let your gentleness, same idea, be known to all. For the Lord is at hand. Christ is present. The Lord is at hand as well. God is there with us. We're not alone. Holy Spirit strengthening us to get things under control, to control our thoughts, to control our actions, and to bring this under the kingship of who Jesus is and how he wants us to live. It's incredible. So as we think about this concept, church, I just, I just want to ask us really three questions kind of as we close. Um, I just want to... Throw these questions out over us. Again, everybody's got a different story and everybody struggles at a different degree with this ideal of, of, of gentleness. But man, when I think about responses, what I think about what, what do we want our church to do 
as a result of this? Here's just a couple of questions to kind of take some mental inventory in your own heart. Um, How about this first question? Do we even have strength? Or would our life really be characterized like that little three, four-year-old where it's not being gentle because there isn't strength there. It's just being weak. And in our lives, as we look at it, we're like, all right, well, am I, do I have that fire inside? Do I have that passion? Do I have that drive to do something great? Am I getting angry at the right things? We think about anger. God the Father got angry plenty of times. He got angry at injustice. He got angry at sin. He got angry when his holiness was trampled on. Jesus got angry, and yet he did not sin. Do we have that strength within us? And maybe for some this morning, it's, Lord, here's my confession to you. I'm weak. I don't have a backbone. I need you to pour into me and give me that drive that your son Jesus had for righteousness and to get angry at the right things. How about this question? Have you been controlling that strength? Or is that something that's been out of control? Has that power been something that needs to come under the Spirit's control so that we can rightly direct it? What about this one? This, this third question is one that we love to ask no matter what. What did God say to you today and what are you going to do about it? So we think about Isaiah 40. As we think about uh, Genesis chapter 4, sin crouching at the doors. We think about Philippians chapter 4, and the Lord is present, the Lord is near. What did God say to you today? And church, we have got to get out of the rut that says, well, here's what God taught me, and here's here's what the Lord is leading me to, and uh, here's something great that I discovered. That's all wonderful. What are you going to do about it? What phone call do you need to make? What conversation do you need to have where you're looking somebody in the eye and confessing or apologizing or sharing your heart with someone? What are you going to do about it? Our behavior needs to reflect this gentleness of God. And my prayer is that today the Lord will speak into your story. And that you might be able to look back years from now and recognize that this is what you needed to hear this morning. Your situation this week or even this year was culminating in this moment where you came to this place and we're singing about the new life and the resurrection that we have in Jesus and the new power that we have in Jesus and we're singing about his strength that is under control and rightly directed and doing so, the spirit of the Lord is saying, your strength isn't under control and I can control it and I can help you make an impact and a difference in the world by showing the fruit of gentleness. So whatever your story is this morning, that's our prayer. I invite you just to bow your heads with me and Just curious, I'm not going to make you do anything. I absolutely promise you that. But just curious, if there's anybody in here, if you would just be willing to raise your hand and say, yep, anger, yep, I need to be more gentle, yep, that's that's my story, that's where I am. Just raise your hand up really high, nobody's looking around. Oh, yes, God. Father, we thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. 
and your gentleness with us. And Lord, we recognize so fully that, man, I know for me personally, you could have zapped me dead a hundred times because of how I've continually just trampled on your grace in one way or another. But Lord, I just thank you that you are gentle with us, Lord, and that you rescue us. And when we're wounded and when we're crippled, Lord, you bring us close to your heart. And you use your strength to protect us. And Lord, I thank you for this church and these people. And and, um, Lord, whatever situations have been given mental thought this morning and mental emotions by them, whatever you brought to their minds, Lord, I pray that you would now give them the strength and the courage to act on it. We love you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We want to sing about your strength. We want to rest in your bigness, in your greatness. And we want your gentleness to be an illustration for us how to live. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this morning. In your son's precious name we pray.